welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. You are always and dearly loved by God. So robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. You and I, we have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you Endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Friends, imagine this to be the church. This is the church that he is building. This is the church that he desires. We are the church that he desires, and he desires us to be this. So as you had closed your eyes and as you had imagined this, I, I want you this week to continue daily, daily, every day to just focus on this. Reflect on this verse. Reflect on these verses. Let it grab, let it, let it grab your spirit. Let the truth become such a part of you and I that we become what his word begins to declare to us. Amen. You know, and this morning I, I, I came in here and I told the team and I, to some extent, I felt really bad. I said, guys, I can't really join, join you in rehearsing at the start because I, I, I had, an, uh, a, a, I would say, a, an interesting experience, wonderful, but also, you know, kind of puts you on the place where you just got to step out by faith. So I came in and I said, guys, I, ha- I have to change my message because I had a dream this morning. And in the dream... In the dream, the Lord came. I don't understand why this happens. <laughs> when, he, when he walks into the room. When he walks into the room. So he came in that, he came in that dream. I don't think I saw him, but I sensed him in that dream, and he said, these were the three words. Speak today on these things that you are aware of, memory, conscience, and imagination. And link that to faith. And I was thinking, oh, okay. Your memory, your conscience, and your imagination. And link that to faith. So I had to come in and and take take a couple of hours and just you know look through some stuff and reject things and rehash what I felt I needed to say. So I'm I'm going to touch on on those aspects this morning and and uh, see the time as well. So I'm, I'm I'll try and race through as as quickly as I can. 
Um, so the power of imagination, right? You know, the word of the Lord says this, that for as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Right? These are some key passages of scripture and you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, 18, which is, an, which, is, which is our anchor verse through this whole series, it's this, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. Amen. And in verse 18, it says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance in us, His, His, holy, His holy ones. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. So God wants to f reveal the full, not partial, not, not 80%, not 90%, not 60 he wants to. He wants you and I to experience the full revelation. So if He says He wants you to experience the full revelation, that means you can experience the full revelation. So why do we then settle for less? Why do we settle for half? Why do we settle for just a, 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 a mediocre version of that? Why do we allow our very own imaginations to work against us? Jesus bore the image of God in the flesh. We also bear the image of our Creator. I said that, I shared that last week. So what does this then have to do with the ability to imagine in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to, uh, to 27? It says, then, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And the very minute when He breathed into Adam, right? imagine the excitement of Adam when he woke up and when he saw the Father. Right? So before God made us, He imagined us. We were conceived in His imagination and, 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 and made in His image. So image, that word image is derived from that, from that word Im imagination, right? Or imagination is derived from the word image, actually. So the word imagination is what I, is what I call a pregnant word. It, has, it, 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 it bears much and it waits for a delivery, it makes it, it it awaits it waits for us to deliver the very thing that we are seeing deep within, right? And I gave you three different uh, Greek words for that, and w one of the words that that we were capitalizing on was dianoia, dianoia, right? Which is the word that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter one, verse eighteen. So our imagination. I ended this by saying this that our imagination ought to be devoted entirely to God. What we think, what we begin to imagine, that needs to be devoted entirely, all of that. So how do we begin to do that? This today, I, I aim to want to, uh, ex to share that. The, the, you know, last night we heard this, the matters, the, 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 the matters of the heart, right? The matters 
of, of the heart are often difficult to understand, right? And it is said that the heart of the matter is often the matter of the heart. In, and Jeremiah 17, verse 19, it says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? Even you and I don't quite understand what is sometimes deep within us. Sometimes these, these things that are deep inside of us, right? You know, it's interesting that the likes of uh, some of these fictional writers like uh, Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, George Orwell, although not characterized as, as, as futurists as such, in their day, they would certainly today qualify as ones. Because they somehow pointed to the future with such vivid imaginations. If you've read their books, right? Uh, these, were fictional, these were fictional future that they had written about. Interestingly enough, <laughs> this is absolutely interesting. Right? The English language added a word in their dictionary in honor of George Orwell. Right? We're actually living in an Orwellian world where Big Brother is always watching. Big Brother is always watching, right? Now, I stated in Genesis chapter 1, 20, 26 to 27, we are created in His image. Therefore, we are gifted with the ability to really, Im really imagine what God actually imagines. Because of that nature, because of that image, we have been decked with that. Decked with the ability. So our minds are redeemed. And therefore, it is a great platform for us to determine our future. You might be wondering, oh man, do I get to determine my future? Well, what do you think? Now, this is a thought that possibly will scare so many of us. And it scares the daylight out of me too. Why? Because we feel most comfortable in saying my future is all settled by God and which it is. But that's true. However, he has given us choices to make. A free will that will determine the outcome. So we need to choose wisely. We need to choose wisely. What did Eve choose? What did Adam choose? So here are some questions for you to ponder. What... What is that that moves you? What is it? What is the very thing that actually really moves you? What's your, what does your heart cry say? Is your, is, your, is your heart filled or fixed on the pursuit of God? Can you, like David, Say the one thing, the very one thing. Have a look at that. Ponder those questions. Write that down. Reflect, reflect on that. You know, it's really interesting that, that, that you know, Disney somehow understood the power of dreams. I mean, to me, the dream that I had this morning, early this morning, it's, it's, I, I, I don't think I've ever had that sort of an experience where, you know, I, I see, I sense the Lord coming, you know, in a very strong way and coming and saying, now, these things, 
speak on this, these, 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 these three aspects, right? And, and when, I, when I got up, I didn't want to get up. I wanted to, I, I, I wanted to sort of still continue on with that dream and continue on with that dream because I wanted to get more and more and more and more. But then as I, as, as I, as I began to ponder on, on, on that, I began to realize that how is it that the likes of, you know, Disney and several others, they seem to be able to imagine the unimaginable aspects and then bring it, bring it to pass, bring it to pass, you know, in that sense. Because I believe that God has given us that innate creative ability, right? And Disney said this. He said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Right? What does Scripture say? You know, sometimes it's easier to believe such characters because, you know, we see what they have, we see what they have accomplished. So it's easier to follow them. It's easier to believe them. I want to read about them so I can see all of what they're doing. But as for me, I, I really don't know. But when we look at ourselves, it feels further and further from the truth. But then, again, I want to remind us that we, if we are made in the image of God, what does that then imply? Does it imply that we just continue in the state that we are in or that we actually move to the high purpose, move and begin to reflect on, king, on kingdom's agenda? Folks, remember, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is the real world. Yeah. This is only a temporary place. This is not real. That is the real world. And so that's why he says in his prayer to us, the very first prayer that the disciples asked, the disciples could have asked many other things, but the first thing that he said, teach us how to pray. And in that he says, I pray that your kingdom come as your will be done. Let your kingdom come from heaven as it is in earth. Kingdom. Bring Asha's kingdom. We are that. We, we, we are the ones that Asha. But let's look at, at Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 18 that talks about that that talks about these dreams, right? And so it was a it was a confirmation for me anyway. I mean, I, I you know we know this passage, I know this passage real well, but when you get something like that as an experience and then you read the passage, it just shifts. It it shifts something to you. And and you know, church. I just want to say this from a journey standpoint. You know, the last few months, maybe six, maybe even a year, I've just been more focused on wanting to get into this, wanting to get into the space, wanting to re, I'll use the word re-engineer, re-engineer particular aspects even in my own life and re-examine some of the promises, some of the prophetic words, re-looking at all of that and, and starting to consider that, God, this is from you. Why am I just consistently and continually putting it on the shelf or just focused on so many other things and not this? So that question and that journey has taken me into places now and into experiences that I am now starting to experience that I wished I had experienced before. I wish I had experienced in the past, but I'm starting to experience some of these things, some of which, which I, I, I don't feel comfortable in sharing as yet, but I know I will. And, and, and you know what? It's starting to get me to realize that, hey, I'm just an ordinary Joe. I'm just like you. I'm sure there are some of you, in fact, most of you, would be having some amazing experiences. 
And that's why in Colossians, as you read that, you begin to realize what is he really encouraging us about the sense of oneness as we come together? How are we sharing these experiences with one another and not feeling a sense of envy or jealousy, but a sense of celebration? Let me celebrate what you're experiencing in God. Oh man, I want to experience that too. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for letting me hear this because now I begin to realize that, hey, that is a possibility because we are one and the same, folks. None of us are more special than the other. You know, we all have differing gifts, but that doesn't make you and I more special than, than, than one another, right? So what does it say in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 18? And this, believe me, today, for me, this is absolutely powerful, absolutely significant, because it says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Why is he saying that he's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh? Because there were... The, the, because there's been a time where that was taken away. Because within the context of the Old Testament, you found that he appeared sporadically upon individuals. But now it has been poured upon all flesh. So it's upon, upon you and I. All of it. Not some of it, but all of it. And then he says, and your sons, and an indication of that. And the, the outcome of him pouring out upon all flesh. And this is what the outcome is. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So during CPR, if you realize, we've been encouraging people. Come on, speak a prophetic word. There is a word of knowledge that God is releasing to you. Don't just rely on the, um, on, on, on the specialists to be able to do that. No, you can't hear it. The Lord wants to release to you. But if you place a cap on you, and if you close that door, that door will remain closed. But if you open that door, that door is going to be open, and the funnel from you to God is going to be, it, it's, it's going to flow, and heaven is going to speak into you. And you will begin to declare what heaven speaks. Because that's, that's, that's what this relationship is. And that's what he's requiring of us in these last days. Now, way back in 1980 plus, I thought we were living in the last days. Right? But it is still the last days because the word of the Lord says that we will never know the, the signs and the seasons. We see that, but we will never know the exact times. So let's begin to, to allow God to... Help us experience this as the birth pangs begin to increase as he ushers us in into deeper and deeper places. And he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, not some, every flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And thank God, praise God, I had a dream. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. It never said some men, some gifted men, but it just said, on my servants. We are servants of God. As we minister, we are servants of God. The Lord has unleashed the way in which this is possible. And it is through His Spirit. So in this, in this dream, the Lord reminded me of these three words, memory, conscience, and imagination. And how faith was connected to imagination. So, the, the following is Paul's exhortation here. Right? He says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. And it says this. 
For the weapons of our warfare are, are not of the flesh, but mighty before God through the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is what we have to do, right? Because it says here, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds. So over our lifespan, over the times that we continue to grow and follow the Lord, there are strongholds. Strongholds are like fortresses. They come. They are mindsets that begin to come and, and, and get a hold of us and say, and eventually it becomes a place where it's like a, um, like a citadel in a sense. Right? It's a fortress that it's impregnable. It's impenetrable. Uh, so it begins to guard the lies that you and I believe. So we've got the stronghold. And here, the word of the Lord is saying now, Paul is saying that, now bring these vain imaginations. So what's a vain imagination? I call them imagination destroyers. Right? There are a couple of imagination destroyers that I want, to, I, I want to touch on today really very quickly. One is the vain imagination. This thought pattern promotes futile mental meanderings that we go here and there. Right? And it leads nowhere and produces nothing but pain and heartbreak. So Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, he says this so clearly. Although they knew God. So that means you and I. Although we knew God. They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So when we become futile in our thoughts, what happens? Our heart then begins to get affected. It becomes darkened. And when it gets darkened, we then lose the sight of imagining this thing that we can with God, that God is unable to partner with us. And note, if you go back to the garden, that happened. So let me... Let me Park you there, and then I will take you further uh, towards the end. I'll, I'll, revisit that, I'll revisit that thought, right? And so, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, the soil of vain imagination is, is actually what? Perverted logic and idolatry. That's what it is. Now, Hitler is one of the geniuses of... In our current day and age, he's one of the geniuses of this vain imagination or of this evil plan that was derived in his imagination, right? To kill the Jews. He thought that he imagined that he imagined a world without them. And see what happened. See the consequence of that. Now, Jesus said it this way. For our heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man in Matthew 15, verse 19 to 20. You know, folks, your brain or our brain is unable to necessarily distinguish between what is real and what is not. So what you and I begin to think, it perceives as it being the real deal. And that's the reason why now, after realizing that, I, I, I understand a whole lot more why the Lord says that even when you think it, you're already committing it. 
When you think adultery, you are already committing that. Because in, in, in your mind, your, your, your brain doesn't seem to differentiate that. It immediately tends to perceive that. And so what happens? When you begin to think that everything else within you rises up to, to bring that sense, and that, that emotion, that, that emotion that, that causes you and I to begin to sin in that particular area. Right? So what you think and imagine is perceived as real. So be careful what you feed your brain. Be careful what you're feeding yourself. Right? Now, sin is the result of a person imagining things, imagining things better than the way that God has willed and ordained them for him or her. That's what sin is at the end of the day. That's what it is. Sin, it, it is the result of a person really imagining the thing. So when I, when I sin, I'm imagining that this can be better. I don't sometimes think like that. I don't say, oh, I th- actually, this would be better than what God is giving me. No. It just becomes a natural aspect. So there is a way to conquer all of that. Amen? Number two, worry. Now, I'll take you to that verse. Oops. Let me take you to that verse a little later. But worry. What does worry mean? It's, it's alarming how much you know, subject matter that our imagination can produce when we succumb to this condition called, this condition worry, right? Psychiatrists believe that it is, it is public enemy number one. It impacts our lives and society like a contagious disease causing mental and physical illness. Now, heart trouble, high blood pressure, ulcers, and a host of stomach disorders can be directly traced to the underlying cause of worry. So now the word worry in the, in, in the Greek, it means this, merimnao. And it is a co- combination of two words, merizo, which means to divide, and naos, meaning mind. So what, this, what it simply means is this worrying divides the mind between what's fruitful or productive and what's not. So it impacts, it, it, it impacts on our judgment, on our perception, the way we feel and understand. It begins to divide. So the result is what? Confusion and indecision. Now what does James chapter 1 verse 8 say? It says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So worrying comes and divides this, right? Worrying is a distorted use actually of our creative ability. And the capacity that is within us. In its most extreme form, it can lead to abulia, which means the loss of power to will. So the mind eventually becomes so divided that it cannot act. So absolute indecision results and begins to cripple us. And so sometimes when you talk to individuals, you find that I, I, no, I, I just can't, I, I can't decide. I'm sorry, I can't decide, I can't decide, I can't decide. The end result is what? A nervous breakdown. So, you know, the writer in the book, The Walking Drum, reveals the insidious nature of what imagination can do. And he writes this, he says this, My imagination was creating foes where none existed. It created foes where none existed at all. So you and I are given a clean slate, but we begin to fill it with things that only, 
only cripple us. So worry relates to matters of specific situation. Example, how do we live in this COVID environment? Right? We, we are worried. Do I take the vac- vaccine? Do I not? You know, it, it just worries. It, it grips our mind. It grips our day-to-day um, um, mindset, in a sense, right? Now, anxiety, on the other hand, has no factual basis or subs- or Oh, no, sorry, no, uh, no factual basis to substantiate our concern. It is the what might or could happen. You know, it is the what ifs, you know. And it's the perfect, perfect invitation that the imagination is actually really waiting for. It wastes no time filling in the blank. He'll just fill in the blank. He'll just fill in the blank. You know, someone doesn't reply your SMS. Someone doesn't do this. Someone doesn't. You begin to imagine, right? And then anxiety happens. Anxiety happens. Anxiety, right? It begins to cripple us. If we allow it to continue, it then becomes the breeding ground for what? For fear, for phobias. So note, to the victim, it is real. To the victim that, that you know, uh, where someone comes to you with a, with, with a, with a pen knife, to the victim, it's like a machete because that's the phobia. That's the, that's the fear, and it is, and it is, it is, it is, it is gripping, right? Note, but to the victim, as I said, it's real danger. But it's all in the imagination, and it has a physical impact. So what's the remedy? The remedy is simply this. Fill our thoughts with God thoughts. Fill our minds with God thoughts. Philippians 4, 8, an amazing verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, why don't you say it with me? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. We were just told today to praise Him, to praise Him. What does praise begin to do? What does praise, when we begin to fill our minds like that, right? Then we begin to move to this level. Then we begin to to be elevated to the place where God is at. Amen? So in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, For the Word of God is alive and active, right? Sharper than any double-edged sword, right? It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Word of God is like a scalpel. It comes, and if it is allowed, it will operate that particular subject matter. So whatever thought that's grabbing your mind, whatever imagination that you have, the Word of God is what that will come like a scalpel and it'll begin to cut that off. It'll remove that cancer from spreading into every other area and makes you and I come to a place where we become anxious, where we become worried, and then it cripples our imagination and we lose the capacity to be creative. And so what happens? We live in a world where we think, well, this is my lot in life. When he says that your future can be changed. And you can do it. You can do it. Right? I love this verse in Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to to 34. Therefore I tell you. I don't have this on the screen but. 
You know this, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll read this to you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life, it is not life more than food, and the body more than, uh, more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you... Are you not much more valuable than they can? Any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all its splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. Because that kingdom is the real deal. That kingdom is real. Not what we are facing, not what we experience. We have, we have been, well, we've been allowed, we have allowed ourselves to believe this. We have been forced to, we've been conditioned to believe what we see, right? But the, the word of the Lord says, walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So he's inviting us into a place of, into a place where we can de-stress. It's not a place of stress. It's a place of de-stress. Because if he says, he clothes this and he does this and he does that. You know what? I think last night, uh, Olivia and I, we just went out to, um, to pick up some food. And so as we came back and as I parked my car, as we, as we got out, the first thing that came out of her mouth was this. He said, Dad, just look at the stars. And when I looked up, I just thought, you know, I wish I'd said that. And this is God. That's his presence. Who put it up there? So when you and I, when we look out, what do we imagine? Do we imagine that? That this is what God has done? And what does that imagination, where does that imagination then take us into? It should take us into a place of, wow, God, I want to thank you that you made me a little lower than the angels. That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know? And it's, it's, it's such, a, such a powerful aspect. The, you know, the story of this Cher- Cherokee, uh, Cherokee chief, he shares this with his grandson. And he says that there are two wolves inside of us, right? Wolf number one is anger, envy, jealous, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, ego, etc., etc., etc. Wolf number two is this. It's joy, peace, love, hope, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandson then stopped and thought for a while. Grandpa, which wolf will win? And the chief's response was, the one you feed. So whom are you feeding? Whom are you feeding? What are the thoughts that you are feeding? God has created us, you know, with, with created three dimensions of time, right? The past, the present, and the future. And this is where the dream comes in. He has given us the ability to influence each of these dimensions. And they are what the Lord reminded me in the dream. 
Now, I shared the negative aspects of worry, of anxiety, right? I shared the context of vain imaginations, these three things. So what are these three dimensions of time? It's memory, our past. It's the conscience, our present. And it's the imagination, our future. So memory is past-specific. Right? Without it, the passage of time becomes meaningless. Now, history does not exist. Right? We would be somewhat imprisoned in the eternal present. Right? Now, Alzheimer's disease, for instance, is, it is devastating. Right? The loss of memory is mentally crippling. Family become strangers. Every now and then, there is the glimpse of hope, but it is painful, folks. Memory can be a friend or it can be an enemy. So what's the solution? There are three things that we've got to do. The first thing, be grateful for everything in the past. Yes, even the wrong things. Regard them as wisdom learnt through the challenging times and through those painful times. Right? The second aspect is to forgive. Once we forgive the things in the past, the people that have hurt us, we choose to forgive. Our feelings and our emotions then begin to line up with our actions. So, so forgiveness is a, is a powerful aspect to bring healing against the past against memories. Surrender. On Thursday nights at CPR, we were encouraged to yield. That's a posture of revival, to surrender, to surrender. Surrender our regrets to God. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I'm so glad that my sister shared that prophetic verse. His thoughts toward us are not evil. If we don't surrender, we will not be fruitful. His thoughts toward us are peaceful thoughts, are good thoughts, thoughts of a hope and a future. And that we need to begin to surrender. Now, conscience, which is our uh, presence, is our onboard mental GPS, right? It, it, it means with knowledge. That is a compound word. It means with knowledge. So like a GPS, it needs several points to get an accurate fix. So what are some of these points that, that assist our conscience that we need to make sure that we fix our... These are our, our fixed points. One is this. It is having... Uh, looking at the wisdom of ages... Understanding the heart, knowing our heart, right? The insight, having an insight of our memories, wisdom from God, and the Word of God in itself. So these collective elements will work together to achieve the results of a conscience that is not seared. Now, you've heard the, 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 the point of if our conscience is seared. Our conscience is seared when we continue in the path of negativity over our time, then it's, it, it gets fried even within our brain. And it takes a long while for us to begin to change that. And the last part is this, and I'm going to bring this to a close. It's the future, the imagination. So the imagination helps us see the future. It is, a, it is the, the place of wonderful possibilities. Right, visualization in is its basic form is the ability to be able to see with the imaginations. Right now, the New Age movement promotes the power of the mind over matter. Right, the attempt to change reality, but to the believer who has been endowed with the power of the resurrected Christ, imagine what more can we do? Look at this. Look. Um, not too sure if I've got that verse 
here. I don't, I don't think I've got the, I don't believe I've got the Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 20, verse 18 to 19. Most of you know, or 18 right through 20, this is one of my favorite verses. And from the Passion Version, it says this, Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all, of its, in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is His, is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measure, that transcends our understanding, transcends our understanding, meaning into that place of imagination. It transcends all of that. Extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. And verse 20, it says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. That's it. And it'll exceed, exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Why can that happen? Because the power of the resurrected Christ is in you and I. That's the reason why he can consist, he can continuously energize you to, so that you and I will realize that we, that, that the things that we can do will exceed our wildest imagination. Some of the things that we experience here in church and where we are at at this point in time, for me, has exceeded my imagination. Totally, totally exceeded my imagination, right? And finally, as I end with this passage of, of Scripture in, in um, Hebrews, actually Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 11, now, faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove, to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated. By the power of, of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Right? If you read through uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the hall of flame, uh, not flame, the hall of fame, the faith hall of fame. And he talks about Enoch and everyone else that's there. Right? And he began, and, and it says, by faith, this happened, by faith, that happened, by faith. All of these different things began, began, to, began to happen. And it is by faith. It is by faith that these things were made possible. Now, this picture. There was this raging storm. And Jesus wanted to go up to the mountains, right? And when, when he went up to the mountains, he told the disciples, get onto the boat and go over. And as they went, there was this raging storm. And so they... they, they they cried out. They cried out for help. And so Jesus, on hearing, it, hearing that, walked, and he walked on the water. And when Peter saw him, or the disciples said, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. It, it, it freaked them out because their minds could not comprehend that. Right? So within that split second now, Peter says, if it is you, invite me to walk. 
Now, why did he say, invite me to walk upon the water? Now, Peter had seen the miracles, the amazing miracles. He had seen the water turn into wine and all of that. So he had seen all these miracles. So he had already begun to imagine the possibilities in Jesus. So he goes and he begins to walk upon the water. And, and as he walks upon the water, as his mind, as, his, as, he, as, he, as he continued to be fixed on Jesus, as his faith was fixed on Jesus, he walked. So imagine this now. He's walking on the water. He could never have done it before. Was he a normal person like you and I? Yes, absolutely. He was impetuous. He was, you know, didn't think at times. So he absolutely fit the bill. Just like us, just like us. And he walked upon the water. But you know what began to happen? The imagination of his reality got into his mind. It's the reality of the world that grabbed his attention. And he began to sink. Friends, he began to get worried. He began to get anxious. And that's the imagination killer. That killed his capacity to continue to walk on the water. But even when that happened, did Jesus let him sink? He says, no. Come on. Let me take you out. Now, friends, faith and doubt both reside in the imagination of our hearts. What we decide to, proje to project on the screen of our imagination determines the outcome. You know, when Jesus was hungry, he wanted to have figs from that tree. And when he went, there were no figs. And so he cursed that tree and they left and they came back later. And then Peter was blown away and said that, Jesus, the tree that you cursed is now dead. And then he replies to them and he says, if you have faith as that of this mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain and it shall be removed. You can speak to your mountain. What's your mountain, friends? Right? What is your mountain today? You know, when, when, you know, when the devil came to Jesus at the temptation, there were three things that he told him. And you got Jesus to imagine this. Man, can you imagine if you change that, those stones into bread? At the most weakest time of, of fasting. Jesus uses the word of God. Again, the word of God that's able to divide. The word of God that becomes a scalpel. That operates that very thing at that very time. No matter how weak you and I are. He made it possible. He showed us that it can be done, friends. He showed us that you and I can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Right? So friends, I hope and I pray that this blesses you. Because note, the enemy in Genesis chapter 3, right at the creation in itself, came to Eve and provided her an alternative reality. And he, and he, and he said this, 
Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. That was when the destruction of true of our true imagination, of our pure imagination was destroyed at the garden when Eve herself chose this root, chose to eat of the fruit, chose to disobey God. Her free will was exercised to choose that I think this is I imagine this to be much, much better. I imagine this to be much, much better. What is the enemy whispering to you to cause you to think that, th that what he gives you is going to be much better? What is he saying to you? You know, there are so many here. You've been given songs to write. You've been given poems to write. You've been given pictures to paint. You've been given books to write. You've been given things to begin to do. So many things that he's leading you and I, and they're all just by the wayside. Because we've had other things sometimes filling us. And you know, friends, sometimes, you know, we, we chase, when I say this, we chase after God. I put that in inverted commas, only for it to become an activity because to stop and to begin to ponder on the reality that is leading you into, into the seeming impossibility is frightful because our minds cannot comprehend. And that's why Paul says, open the eyes of your imagination today. Lord, open the eyes of our imagination, Lord. Friends, I know I've taken quite a fair bit of time this morning. But the good news is this. You won't be hearing me for the next eight weeks or maybe ten weeks. As I feel invited by the Lord to take some time out. So I hope this, this message, it's going to lead you, it's going to encourage you. And... and and maybe, let me take the liberty to share one last point here. When Jesus healed, if you look through so many of the passages of Scripture, he said, and he sensed compassion. And with compassion, he healed now. That question that I asked you earlier, what is, what's, what's, your, what's your passion? Is in the word compassion. So that word passion leads us to begin to imagine what it is, what, what it is going to look like for that person. And when you begin to think like that, when you, when, you, when you start praying for someone who may have cancer, when you start to pray for someone who may even just have a headache, when you begin to consider that, and when you imagine the healing that comes you will feel and sense a compassion within. So we don't just pray, oh, you got healed. Lord, I pray that he'll be healed in Jesus' name. No, I think God wants us to go further, to begin to start to imagine 
that aspect, to begin to see that. Because what we see in the heavens, what we see in His kingdom, we deliver that. We release that. So, a way of starting to begin to pray for people is this, start to imagine their reality for them. Start to see the healing happening in them. Right? Begin to start to see. He asked the blind man, or he asked the people, that, are you willing? Are, are, you, are you willing to see this happen? And they said, yes, we are. We are willing. So today he is asking us, are we willing now to rid ourselves of all of the perceived impossibilities that we laden ourselves with and take on this thing that the Lord says, your wildest imagination, your dream, according to the power that is at work within you. But the eyes of your imagination, the eyes of your imagination. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we want to bless you this afternoon, Lord, and we know that time's, time's getting by us, so I just want to give you a moment right now to begin to just pause and allow the Lord to come and heal your memory in the past. Strengthen your conscience in the presence. And cause you to begin to reimagine your future. Let him inspire you right now. Let the eyes of your imagination be open. Not your natural eyes. And see what he immediately drops in you. What he is immediately dropping. Just take a moment. 